Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 140. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Below Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by salon business coach Ronit Enos. And in this episode, we'll be talking about money and how to remove the shackles of your business with the right plan. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. I just woke up to snow this morning, like a good 10 centimeters on the windows and all. Uh, and Tanya, it's Christmas is coming. Like it's the what the first week of November. I'm just off a flight from like the other side of the world where it's lovely and warm. And then I come home and it's just ice, chill, breeze cutting <laughs> through you. And everywhere is just Christmas lights and Christmas trees and all the stores are all dressed up. Like it's the first week of November and it already feels like Christmas, which is pretty much just around the corner. Yeah, like I, I feel it in um, in everything that we do within the marketing team. Like I feel the Christmas rush kicking in. Yeah. Um, probably also because we keep talking about the summit and the summit is literally right around the corner at this stage. Is it bad that when I think of Christmas, I think of the Salon Owner Summit? <laughs> nah, I don't think so. I <laughs> it's think it's like, always a great time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like the first week of January. You've actually just announced more speakers this week, haven't you? Yeah, the last round of speakers uh, have just been announced last Sunday. So yeah, we're we're now full lineup completed. All the information is on salonownersummit.com. And yeah, we're really, really excited. We're going to be putting out some um, email campaigns for anyone who's on our email lists and, and all. You'll have all the information through those. But we'll also talk about the summit in more detail at the end of the show, like we usually do. But Inside Forest this year is way bigger. We can't actually... We don't have the space, the capacity in HQ to host Inside Forest anymore. So we're actually doing it from um, the Morrison Hotel in Dublin. And we're going to do it the day before the summit on the Sunday instead. So that's going to be really exciting. And um, from seeing the guys being grilled by questions this morning, I'd say Inside Forest is going to be really amazing. So taking it back to today's show... Our guest is quite well established in the forest community, so a lot of people might recognize his name, but she's also someone who's no stranger to talk about the stigma of numbers and money. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Ronit. Oh, hi, everybody. This is so nice, and thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. It's amazing to chat with you today. And I think it's going to be a really good topic to cover, because like you said before, it's a bit of a grey area where no one, it seems to be a stigma around this sort of topic. So I'm delighted to have you talk about it. Well, I mean, everybody's talking about profits, but everybody's afraid to talk about money. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, no business loses money when you're talking to anyone else. It's always the uh, grass is greener, isn't that right? Oh, that's so true, you know. And the, the, the funnier thing is, I know for a fact that we all say, you know, happiness is not about money. Mm-hmm. And um, money is not everything. And then there is that third one that says less is more. But if you really think about it, money touches everything. As an owner, and especially in the industry, right, the the stylist, um, their biggest dream is to have a big impact in the world. They want to have a legacy. So the first thing to say, oh, when I'm going to open my salon, I want to write a check for a charity. I, I want to travel uh, the world and go to third world countries and adopt a child or give a check for a child or do all those wonderful things that we're actually doing. But guess what? If we don't have the money, you can't do any of that, right? 
it's kind of funny because I saw a quote and it's actually a guest that we had on the show recently. Now, I'm definitely not going to get this verbatim, but it was along the lines of money doesn't give you happiness, but it helps you afford. <laughs> it's something like it helps you afford to get there. Yeah, I was actually listening to a podcast recently with Shane Parrish and um, he was chatting to one of his guests and the guest said, there's a threshold for money. There's a part where if you have a whole lot of money, it like you're not going to be necessarily more happy, but not having enough money is going to make you miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one as well. It's really good. It's kind of a coincidence that just as we're having this conversation, we start seeing a load of money things coming up on, on like our social media. <laughs> all, I it, see, all I see is dollar signs on your face right now. Right? <laughs> Wouldn't you know that we're coming up to Christmas when everyone's <laughs> it's a penny pinching? <laughs> yeah. So, well, listen, before we get into the, the topic too much, you have quite the atypical upbringing. So uh, would you be up for sharing a bit about yourself and how you got into salon business consulting? Yeah, that, that's a good question because everybody who, who usually reads my a little bit about Ronit and, and the bio, you know, always thinking, oh, my God, this is so, so cool. You, you served at the IDF. And can you tell us about it? And, and I said, sure, I, I would love to tell. And then, and then they find out that actually I served at the Special Forces at the IDF. And then they're thinking, well, w what happened? <laughs> How did you become a hairdresser, right? So, so a little bit before that, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I was born in Israel. And I lived in Israel until I was um, well, pretty much uh, after my, my IDF service. And you know, in Israel, you, you, you have to serve. Mm -hmm. It's not a volunteering um, uh, army. It's a defense army. And... Um, when you're the age of 18, you you join the army. So so women join at the age of 18, and so men. Women need to serve two years unless they sign up for more, and men need to serve for three years unless they sign up for more. And you, it's very extraordinary. It's, it's actually been one of the best experiences I've I've had in my whole entire life. Of course, except marrying my husband and having my children. <laughs> um, but it was, um, I've learned a lot about myself. I really did. And, um, and, and so going through before that, you know, I always, uh, I was in the fashion industry because I loved shoes. Shoes is my favorite thing. <laughs> so, aha, this is where I started. It's, it's like I loved shoes. It had nothing to do with hair at that time. And did you love the shoes in the IDF as well? I wasn't even thinking about the IDF then. All I can think about is like, how do I go to Italy into an Armani manufacturer and learn a lot about clothes or Prada? And, you know, that's that's all I can think of uh, at that time. And But at the same time, I visit my hairdresser very often. And when I say very often, probably on a on a weekly basis, trying to change my hair color as much as I can. So finally, he said to me, Ronit, listen, you're here all the time. It costs you a lot of money. Well, why you just come and work here part time? So I negotiate with my mom. I, you know, I went to school um, on a regular basis and I said, hey, can I go work for, for a hair salon? And uh, she said, sure, as long as your homework are done, then you can go and work and then you'll have to be here back by this time. And that was it. So my whole, um, so a big part of my childhood was, you know, I've been in a hair salon and changing my hair color as usual, but also working and learning. And I was very fortunate that I was exposed to that. Later on in the army, which you're supposed to go, you know, I already knew that, that I love being around people and I love making changes in people's lives. You know, that I, whether I need to be a joker, entertainer, 
support emotionally for my friends. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a house that, um, that both of my parents fought all the time. And uh, I had a little brother and a little sister, and I had to be there for them in tough times. So my job was really to make people feel good about themselves already. And then when I was in the army, the best part of it was um, that I was, I volunteered to be in the special forces. I was a guide um, helping men, soldiers from the age of 25 to 40, uh, trained, I trained them for three days and prepared them to go to the front line. So that was a pretty, pretty heavy responsibility for somebody who is 19 years old. Yeah. And what I've learned, number one, is what men like and how to communicate to men and, and how to earn their respect because I was very young and here I am um, having this big responsibility of keeping them safe from one place to another and teaching them things that um, I had to learn, right? Uh, and that was a big responsibility. So I've learned how to communicate in their language and how to earn their trust. And trust is, was the, the number one uh, most important thing to, to almost be part of saving their life somehow. Absolutely, mm. yeah. So it was, uh, it was a lot to learn. And this is when I, I already knew that that was my calling. My calling is wherever I go is to transform people's life and make them feel safe. So, and, and being in the army, believe it or not, made me a better hairdresser later. But it, it makes sense at the same time because we talk about how it's an industry where it's full of high emotional intelligence and you ha having discovered that ability in the army, it was quite clearly going to translate over to this industry seamlessly. Yes, yes, because um, trust is number one in developing any team. And when you're in the army and when you're in the real thing, right, when people are really trusting that you're going to help them save their life, is, is trusting is the mentality is one for all and all for one. It's a real brotherhood, yeah. It's a real brotherhood. And so later in life, when uh, my job was to be a hairdresser, it was the same mentality. I'm, I'm here for you and you're here for me. So how can we make this dance, this tango work out great? And if you can get a great haircut and a great color, at the end of the day, that's bingo. <laughs> but if you go back home and you felt Ronit made me feel like nothing else, she gets me, she understands what I'm doing here, and it, it, 80 percent, it wasn't for the hair. 80 percent of the time was, how can you make me feel confident and that I can do anything that I want? And when I got that feeling, because she got that feeling, or he'd get that feeling, I was on the top of my world, because remember, that's what I, I identify in my calling. I'm here to serve these people this way. So if I can do good hair and good color, whoa, that's a bonus. <laughs> That's an incredible trait to be able to make someone feel better after having met you than before. Like that's a serious ability to be able to have. That's the drug of life. So years later, when, when I decided to open the salon, that was the culture. Okay, and that translated into trust and discipline. And the discipline came from the army and, 
um, I've learned how to utilize time 100%. I learned how to transform. Somehow I had to learn English, okay? And since I was never went to high academics, I had to learn how to use a PC, an Apple, um, in English as well. And that requires discipline. So those are the three attributes that I took from the Army. That's amazing. Now, you did mention something about confidence and you mentioned in an email prior to this uh, recording that for years you were afraid and ashamed of money, numbers, math. So how did this translate into now your consulting is fully around money, math and numbers? <laughs> ah, well, discipline. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to go back to the shoes. You know, shoes cost a lot of money. So if I want to, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny, but, uh, you know, like we said, money is not everything, but money helps to bring everything too. And um, what I found, I, you know, I, when once we opened the salon and I had my vision, I knew exactly what I want for salon. I knew exactly what I want for culture, but I really didn't know how to run a business. I never did. And uh, we work with salon owners every day. Uh, we work uh, in our program with, um, you know, I travel around the country, speak to many salon owners and spa owners. And the vision and what they want out of their life, uh, out of their salon is great. But you can have that, none of it, if you don't have the cash flow to support that. Right? So you make bad mistakes. And, um, and that is the main, main problem uh, that we see over and over again. We want to do this. We want to invest in this. We want to open another one. Uh, we want an education department. We want this department. We want to have vacation. And, but there was the, where's the cash to support that? So I had the same problem in my salon. Okay. The, the, the problem was that, um, I was working around the clock and I have two children. I opened a salon um, we were very, very fortunate in, in our salon. We, we won uh, Best of Award a year into, the, into opening a salon. I didn't even know what Best of was, but we did it. And oh my God, the sky opened up. Clients dropped in from the sky nonstop. I had to hire another person, another person. I hired everybody I could. This, this person looked good. Oh, I hired. This person sounded good. Oops, I hired. And, and six months later, I said to, to my partner, my husband, you know, this is so good. I'm going to get a second floor and I'm going to open a spa now. Why? Because I want to get a massage because I never have time to get a massage because I'm so busy downstairs. So I'm open a second floor. Before you know it, I'm going up the stairs, down the stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs. I have no business opening a salon, not knowing how to run it, but I am opening a second floor. Now I have a spa to run it. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> the things that can happen. You know, I remember having a dream about this Cleopatra. Um, I remember my grandmother told him that Cleopatra used to bathe in milk. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so guess what I did? I created a pedicure with milk. Before you know it, we were, we were in the publication, in Allure publication, talking about pedicure milk. And now everybody's coming for a milk pedicure. Do I have enough people? No. So I had to hire some more people. And then before you know it, I never see the kids. I go home at 10 o'clock at night because there's just so many people. I don't even know the, my employees' names. By first name, yes, but not by last name. 
And you know how that goes. And before you know it, now I need to learn how to build a website. So when do I do it? At 10 o'clock at night. And in the first thing in the morning, I want to feel like I'm a true mother. So I get up, I wake up the kids. They don't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. So guess what I do? I answer emails. I do other things. And then comes the time to wake them up and go to school. And it's Bill who's taking them to school. And, and that thing keeps going. And it wasn't until... I think about two years into it, even though I hired coaches and consultants to help me with everything, I still could never see a paycheck that I felt good about. You know, it was always enough to cover the expenses. And as I go into it, no matter what I did, you know, I did everything. The culture, the perfect web design, Awards right and left. Uh, we were recognized by so many great publications of being so incredible. And yes, we were, and the culture was great. And, you know, I mean, and believe me, I, I wore every hat in this industry, but yet I could not see a paycheck at the end. And I was exhausted. You know, I was running from up, down, up, down, exhausted. And at the end of it, I said to my husband, you know, you take Gabby every Saturday to play cello, and I never see it. And I don't have money to show for it. So I don't see a future. So I, you know what? Maybe I'll go back and be a hairdresser. I don't need that salon. I'll give up my dreams. I'll give up the legacy, the impact in life. Because I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And how long did you have the salon running at this stage? Like when you're going through all this kind of emotions and feelings about this, would you have considered your salon to be successful at this stage? I thought it was successful because money was coming in. Yeah, but just barely enough money, was it? I never took a paycheck that showed me, wow, this is, this is what I want because I didn't really know how to run the, the money game. But once I realized, this is my husband, he says, Renit, we, we already invested so much time and money. If we're going to go down... I want to go down making us happy. So that was the turning point. That was the turning point. So I suppose it just kind of became too much for you that you realized that we need to make change here. Why do you think for everyone else there's still the stigma to look at the numbers, to look at the finances? Like your story there, I don't think I could have ever get that far to like be living day to day, like not taking paychecks. I think I'd hit that breaking point nearly straight away. Why does it take so long for other people to hit this breaking point? Killian, this is such a good question, and I'm so glad you're bringing it up. And I know we didn't rehearse it, so I know it's very organic. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. Um, I'll tell you why. We all think that we don't have good enough employees, that they're not good enough, that the generation is just different that there's not enough good people coming out of schools, Um, that there's not enough um, time in the day to do all the things that we need to do, and that there's not enough money in your business to support the things that you want to do. Because we all know we need to have great systems. We need to have great um, um, financial readings. We need to run financials. We need to have great culture. But the truth is, If you're building for sustainability, if you're building for predictability, if you want to have income that is can grow and you can scale, 
you have to start thinking like a CEO. So working on the business, not in the business. Yes, and I, and I get that. Seriously, everybody hear that sentence. But what really needs to happen is you need to step away from running a chair and start running a company. And I tell you one thing, running financial systems, financial reports, and reading financial reports, and building budgets is not going to give you that profit. It won't. Once we implemented this system, our business doubled in 18 months, and the net profitability went from high five figures to seven figures in five years. That's incredible. Wow. And the only thing you need to do is to plan for profit, not for expenses. So if you were to do it again from scratch, would you put your paycheck in there from the get-go? Bingo. Yes, you come first. And there's so much money in your your company, because we make pretty good amount of money. Uh, But it's hidden. You don't see it. You don't know about it because we were taught to think differently. We were taught to think about income minus expenses equal profit. And profit becomes an afterthought. It's not there. So you're going to chase it all the time. So how do we find it? Do we have any formulas to help us discover this or work it out? Yes, you do. Um, one of the things that we, we do with Salon Cadence is we help you first change your mindset right, about thinking about, and and you have to work on it. Nothing happens overnight. And if somebody tells you it's going to happen within three months, yeah, hello, (laughs) bye-bye. Somebody's trying to sell you a car. But you know that you can make the change. Within 12 months, you change your money story. And when you change your money story, it's a beautiful thing because now you're creating a culture that is not reactive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can plan for your vacation. And you can plan for everything that you want because you have that money aside. So what we suggest is you flip your thinking. You change your mindset. You open five accounts and you start running your company based on allocation on the right percentages. So you look to see, okay, you, you, and you find your money. So for example, when, when we get our clients, we have our bookkeeping company that, that we work with that we actually take all the books and we look with, with a magnifying mirror, where's the hidden money in the money management, identifying everything in it. And we teach you how to really read your numbers. And it's not about reading your numbers and making decisions. It's really reading about where's your profit and how you can make more profit. How do you establish more cash? So the formula is immediately is income, you flip the mindset, and it's an income minus profit, minor owner's income, equal expenses. And I don't want to forget Uncle Sam. You have to add Uncle Sam there. <laughs> so most of the problems in the end of, at the end of the year when you go to your accountant and the accountant pulls up your numbers and tells you if you're lucky. And by the way, 70% of small businesses close their doors within seven years. of small businesses. That's insane. So where do you want to be? And and only 30% actually survive and 5% of the 30% thrive. Where do you want to be? 
And do you think this mindset has a lot to do with the closure? Like, I know it's easy to say that it's a simple switch of the mindset, but does that actually bring a big enough impact to prevent that high closure rate? Ah, yes. Um, Unfortunately, yes. There's three key important things. I think that if you made those changes, your business is going to grow crazy, become sustainable um, and predictable because you always want to move to predictability. You don't want to go at the end of the day and not knowing um, what are you going to make in a year and what you need to make in a year and how are you going to do it, right? So um, it's it's quite simple. Business is, is running business is simple, but we complicate it. We complicate it every day. But running a business is, is almost like a recipe, but it has to go. And, and of course, culture and, and building a team is so important. But unless you have the cash flow to support it, it's not going to happen. It'll be reactive. So system in place is very important. But if you're going to spend your time behind the chair all the time, how are you going to build it? You need to allocate the time to build your company. So time and the financial formula, if you allocate money right from the beginning to build a company and not to build your chair, guess what you're going to have? A company. Yes, a company, a well-run money machine, not a monster that eats your, your money. So we can't talk about money, though, without talking about tipping. And depending on the culture, say I live in, in Canada, it is a tipping culture. I've also lived in Dublin. Killian, you're based out of Dublin. It's not so much of a tipping culture. Uh, In the US, I think there's a lot of division between who thinks tips should happen every single time and then other people who think, no, it's just an extra. How do you feel about tipping? I'm sure you've experienced different things around that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, I think tipping is a big culture in America. Um, in Europe, it's a different culture. You know, when you go to a restaurant, even in restaurant, uh, I think tips are 10%. Yeah, it's about 10 to 12% service charge. Right? Yeah. And and here, tipping in, in restaurants are minimum 20%. Um, in salons, obviously, we base our culture on tipping. I believe that the biggest tip is to have a client. And that client comes back to you. I think that's a gift. And uh, I think that's um, important. And I think that we all have to understand that if we didn't get a tip today, but the client came back, that is the tip. And that should be your mentality. And if you got on top of it any kind of bonus tip, and that's la-di-da, that's beautiful. But your service, what you give to your client should not be based on, oh my God, if they're going to give me $20 or $30 tip today, I'm going to perform better. No, you have to show, you have to show up 100% all in to be at service of people. I've seen reactions though from people saying that I need my tips, otherwise how am I supposed to pay bills? Is perhaps you know, relying, being so reliant on tips, an indicator of an underlying issue in terms of like, you're not charging your worth, maybe. That's so true. You call it Zoe. You got to look at, um, are you charging enough? 
right? And and is that are you are you relying on your tip to pay the bills? That's a big problem. So uh, I would say there is a formula for that too. And I love to always bring the one hour production formula. How do you know if you're charging enough? How do you know what is your worth? What is your worth? you know so you should not rely on the tip to pay your bills. But again, but then again, if you're going to spend your money before you even make it, then that's a problem there too. Then even the <laughs> tips and, and your worth is never going to be enough. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is how, um, you know, income minus expenses goes, where we need to flip it and says income minus pay me first so I can have my lifestyle. So is this what you mean when you say being financially knowledgeable? Yes, you have to be. How do we, how most of salon owners set up their prices? They look around, they see what's on, uh, what's the neighbors charging. Who's doing it down the street. Yeah, and then they either put $5 on the top and $5 uh, underneath to maybe, maybe even be more competitive, and they call it a day. Yeah. But what you really need to see is how much production, what does it cost you to run your business for one hour? It's very, this is the formula we're talking about, Kellyanne, right? What does it cost? This is so simple. I love this. One hour, what does it cost you to run the business? Oh my God, how do I know that? It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, okay, let's go to QuickBooks and see what QuickBooks has got in line for you. What is QuickBooks? Accounting software. Hmm, okay. Uh, so let's, let's take that. So if you're going to be in business, let's get on QuickBooks. Let's report all our expenses and see how much money are we spending. Because if you don't know it for your business, you don't do it for your personal life. And, and, and anybody who's listening, this is what makes you wealthy. This is what sustainability is all about, knowledge. So let's find out what it is. I'm telling you, once I knew those two, um, two numbers, our business went up, doubled in 18 months. And so did the net worth. So here it is. How much money do you spend a month of running a business? So say you're spending $10,000, because that's what's on the books. Then divide that by how many hours that you actually are productive. What does that mean? If you're working 200 hours a month, out of those 200 hours a month, how many hours are you actually booked and sold money? Now, this is really important. I didn't say how many hours you booked and gave your uh, service for free. How many hours did you actually bring cash? So your hours are your your initial hours are your business opening hours. Absolutely, exactly. So if you're open for business two hundred hours and and you sold uh, one hundred, then you're productive fifty percent. So take ten thousand dollars and divide that to your productive hours. Right. So if it's ten thousand dollars divided to to one hundred hours, how much money do you actually um, make at that time? So if you don't have that number, then you have to sign up for a software and get those numbers from your software because that's what you get. So you sign, you get the total revenue less the amount of hours that you actually work, and this is what you actually made. So say so now you're taking your cost. And it divided by those same hours. If it cost me to be $10,000 to run my business, divide that by 100 hours. You guys help me, give me the numbers. Oh, I'm terrible at maths. Hang on, let me get my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
the, thank God, thank God for calculators and thank God for iPhone, right? You're taking off two zeros essentially. Yeah, it's two zeros. Yeah. Thank you. One hundred dollars. It cost you. It cost you one hundred dollars. So we're saying one hundred dollars per hour. So you have to bring in at least a hundred dollars. So is that a hundred dollars of profit or just like a surface that could be a hundred dollars? Ah, okay. So so that's a very good question. So if you want to be profitable, you want to shoot for profit. I I suggest twenty percent profit. So you at least need to bring hundred and twenty dollars an hour. Yep. Yeah, that's easy, right? The problem is we have credit cards that we never consider. So that's the hidden money that goes away from us. But there's also great money that you can find within your business that you can clear up and find out that extra, that extra money that you're missing that you don't even see because you don't know your books. How do you mean it's hidden from us, though? Oh, I love that. So before we go to that one, I'll just will tell you that unfortunately... Those 70% of the businesses that closes run under that $100. And they don't know it because they rely on their tips or they rely on their hours production from behind the chair. If, if they change the money story, and they can, and it's not hard, then you have to start thinking, let me look at my expenses and find out where is that money going? And the best news about it, because I, I don't want to be negative, Nelly, because I know we can change the money, the money story. The best news about it, okay, and this is something that you don't have to do, but the best thing about it is uh, if you look at your credit card statement, okay, and you see iTunes, 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 <laughs> iTunes, total $500 a month, and you're like, what is that? Guess what? You can go into iTunes and find out what it is and dismantle, 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 and now you have $500 right there. Did you know that, that your, your banks charges you for having five accounts? Yeah. So, so you can have, uh, you know, $1,200 worth of Jeez. pain gas, but you don't have to. There's a list of banks in this country and in every country that we work with that don't charge you for any transaction and for nothing. So you're saving another $1,000. Now, here's the thing. If you shoot for 20% profit, it's a number game. This is so easy, right? If you're shooting for 20% profit, can we take 5% and put it back in our pocket? It's a lot if you're shooting for 20, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so where do we find it? Well, 1% could be iTunes. Subscriptions. <laughs> Subscriptions. Your Netflix. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've had that happen to me before. I was very frustrated. Didn't, didn't watch Netflix for six months and was charged anyways. I was like, oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, <laughs> typical. <laughs> so, yeah. So, listen, to make an impact right away, you can find 1% and 1%. It's very easy to do, but you just have to be automated. So that's that. And then... Um, of course, the biggest expenses that we have usually is coming from payroll and not charging enough for your services. So if you just change those three things, find out what is your cost per hour? What is your revenue per hour? If the revenue is not enough and most people are either equal 
some that are under are the one who closes their doors within five years. If you want to be, if you want to make a change in our industry and become 30% thriving and not 5% thriving, you can control that hour. So change your prices to reflect the goals that you really want to have. And then stop for one second to think, because we never do. All we do is give service. Stop for one second to think, how much money do you want to take home after, after paying your company their profit? Do you want to make $5,000 a month? Do you want to make $10,000 a month? What do you want to make home? Do we ever stop to think about that? I don't think so. Not enough anyways. Especially when it's an industry where you're providing to everyone else's needs. It's easy to forget about your own. Yeah, so you got to have that clarity, you know. What, what are you shooting for? And then align your expenses and your revenue accordingly. And it's really simple. So I want to end this on a really, really positive note. How has this impacted you in your personal life? And have you seen any of your clients go through such a change and have a massive positive impact from, say, getting out from behind the chair and running a company? Well, my mission is to change money stories because I've been there and I know that you can make it happen. Um, but it is a mindset. It's very difficult to make a transformation um, happen overnight. It won't happen. It's a, it's, it takes time, but it happens. One of our clients, when we start conversation and I said, okay, you want to do, f you want to make $5,000, but or $6,000 a month or 10 grand, but what do you actually want? What are you looking for? And he said to me, well, I would like to have the time to be able to go to the movies with my son and watch a movie from beginning to the end and not fall asleep in the middle of the movie. If that doesn't touch your heart, yeah. And, and you know what, and we grabbed him as a, as a customer where money wasn't there and it takes a progression to not only have that cash flow to support his hours not behind its chair, so he's not exhausted, so he can have that freedom. And little by little, it's working. It's a transformation. It's like, okay, let's create that cash and support you from getting some free hours, not to only work on your business, but also to have me time. So that's, that's the correlation. And I love that. Um, and if I can, if we can impact, and we impact lives over and over again with, with our customers, and that, that is the mission, really. And you can do it. You can do it anywhere between nine months. And, and, but the impact comes pretty quickly because you're setting for profit. Yeah. So that transformation happens. So I don't know if it answered your question, but the thing is, as long as everybody is knowing what the base charge that they need to charge in order to have that freedom. Everybody can do it. You just have to be disciplined and committed to the cause and be very resourceful and together work on that mindset. I can make it happen. It will happen. It is happening and have that belief. Manifestation. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ronit, it's been great having you on the show and I'm so glad that we could get you on to finally, I suppose, break through that stigma of talking about money and even just that kind of 
heartwarming story you had of a client of yours where it wasn't just the money, it was just to be able to stay awake and watch a film with his son. I'm kind of hoping now that more salon owners will open their eyes and identify if they're on that threshold line. Are they going to leave it to the breaking point that you experienced? Or is it time to take action now and actually start looking at the numbers? No one wants to look at the numbers. No one wants to look at the data. It's hard. But I suppose just start now. Don't leave it too late. Yeah, you have to do it. And for anyone listening to this episode today, um, we'll have all the links to Ronit's coaching. So, you know, Facebook, website, Instagram. And so you'll be able to get in touch and possibly dig in a little bit further into your numbers. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's really great. Thank you so much for putting it out there and letting people know that, you know, this, this is not that hard. No worries. Just takes a little bit of time. Well, it's that flywheel effect. You just got to start and just keep doing the same thing over and over and eventually it will take on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you guys are doing great just by, you know, putting so many great people that can help. I mean, I was listening to the to Shauna's episode and I think that's brilliant and that helps. All of all of these episodes are just one brick at a time. Well, that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to get people to share their stories, share their experiences and show everyone else that you're not alone in this business. Exactly. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Rooney. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so honored. Built with the latest technology and impeccable design, the all-new salon-branded apps are proven to help increase salon's online bookings and retention rates by 4 and 16% respectively. Deliver a convenient and personalized experience your clients will remember. Your brand, your app, your way. Manage, market, and grow your business with Forest Salon Software, a premium cloud-based salon software system for three-plus employees. Visit forest.com for more details. Let's grow. So that was Ronnie sharing some insight into how to start looking after your money, your numbers, and most importantly, I think, how to start looking after yourself to be able to grow a successful business. So now it's time to step inside Forest. The first things we're going to kick it off with are some client webinars that we're running from our education department. The first one we have is on November the 19th, and it's 4.30 p.m. GMT time. That's in Irish time, but any clients can attend that one. And it's Forest Education using consultation forms to boost retail and upselling. And then on November the 26th, at the same time, we have Forest Education increase retail sales and improve product management. So as these are client-only webinars, you can always email us at education at to get yourself registered into one of those live webinars with one of our training experts from the salon industry. Next up, we have Forest Academy, your one-stop education shop. Forest Academy is an online learning portal full of fun, interactive and bite-sized self-taught training courses covering each and every area of your forest system. At the moment, we have 10 courses up there with the latest release of our essential management series. So you can expect to see a business setup and system management series there. These series are for salon owners, managers, front of house, or anyone involved in managing your salon staff and business. If you still don't have access to Forest Academy, just email us at forestacademy at forest.com and request access for you and your team. 
And now something that we've mentioned at the very start of this episode was the Facebook Live Q&A hosted by Ronan Percival and Patty Monahan, CEO and Director of Product at Forest. So just so you know, the guys will be holding a live Q&A once every three months going forward. Just don't have a date yet for the next one. But in the meantime, please do feel free to reach out with any questions about the product that you may have. So this can this can be anything that you'd like to see improved or anything that you'd like to see uh, coming up in the product. The guys are used to being grilled, so hit them up with the best and hardest questions. Next, the Salon Owners Summit in Dublin is Europe's largest and most prestigious events for salon owners who share one common purpose, to lead and evolve in an industry that makes everyone feel and look like the superstars they were born to be. Ronit was just saying that earlier today. And the Salon Owners Summit 2020 will be taking place on January 6th in the Convention Centre in Dublin, um, which is a world-class venue on the Docklands, pretty much in the heart of the city. The tickets are still on sale and the lineup for the event is now fully available on the Salon Owner Summit website, so salonownersummit.com. Please do keep in mind that this event is open to Forest clients only, but to get a call back for tickets, just follow the link in today's episode's notes. Otherwise, just like we revamped Forest's main website this year, in 2020, we're going to be looking at revamping the Salon Mentorship Hub. And before I get into what the hub is and how you can take part, if ever you've availed of the opportunity and would like to help us make the experience better for future users, I mean, we're always looking to improve, please send us your thoughts and suggestions by email or with a DM on social media. Paige will be happy to connect with you. But essentially, the Mentorship Hub is a place exactly for that, to connect. Whatever you're struggling with in the salon, from customer service to social media, finance, we've teamed up with industry coaches and consultants. And so you can head over to salonmentors.forest.com to book yourself in for a free 15 to 30 minute consultation on a topic of your choosing. This, you do not need to be a forest client to avail of. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.